to uh, share a, a scripture with you from 1 Peter chapter 4 as we begin uh, this morning in terms of, of what we'd like to convey in terms of our message. I'm going to read down through First uh, Peter 4, starting here, I guess, with verse 8. In fact, uh, as we read that together, would you just uh, stand in deference to God's word? And as we bring this today, may uh, the Lord bless it. Hear God's word for us. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, I just pray right now that you will settle in this place. You would speak to our conditions, that our, that our ears and our hearts would be tuned to your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church we pray, Lord, that you would minister to the hurting, you would afflict the comfortable, and you would allow us, Lord, you would allow us to sense that, God, you want to do a new thing in our midst. Thank you for Briggs and Jen and their ministry as they come and their sweet family as they share their hearts, Lord. May we hear from you, and may when we walk into this place, may we know this with certainty. We've been with Jesus. We ask this in your precious name. Amen and amen. Please be seated. I wanted to just uh, give a little bit of an introduction. You saw the video here, but I want to bring some back some very dear friends to to our congregation uh, and share with you uh, rather an intriguing story about what God has done in them and through them, and of course, Cleveland's Slavic village. The Lord called Briggs and Jen uh, out of their our church uh, to start Neighborhood Friends Church, and they're going to share some of that uh, about how they were moved to do such a thing. But we have uh, continued to partner with them. They are part of Eastern Region. We, we love the connection that we have. I know uh, we have some who serve on their leadership team. But last week, of course, you heard a little bit more about our work in Illyria. And I know Pastor Dave did a really good job as he came, as he always does. I had the privilege of being over there and uh, sharing with the, the fine folks. And boy, what a sweet spirit that was going on there as well. But now I want to want you to hear a little bit about our work together in Cleveland. And, uh, but let me just tell you something that just touched me profoundly uh, just a few months ago. Neighborhood friends, think about that. Slavic village, small house church led by Briggs and Jen, beautiful congregation, beautiful people. But they meet in their home. They, the neighborhood, as you probably well know, is, uh, well, there's a lot of poverty. I'll put it that way. Well, last summer, <laughs> I made an appeal to our congregation that as our offerings were dipping, I was somewhat concerned, and I always like to let people know exactly what's going on, and so I penned a letter and said, hey, this is where we are. I'm a little bit concerned. Can you help us and make things right? Well, neighborhood friends got word that, they were, that we were running a, a deficit and so not long after that, I get a note in my mailbox with some cash 
amounting to $500 from Neighborhood Friends Church. Now, that almost shamed me, to be honest with you, but they wanted to help us. This morning, Briggs and Jen, uh, I want you to know this is not enough, but I, I want us to give back to your ministry and support the work you are so ably involved with. And I want to give you guys a check. It's $1,000. I thought, well, we'll double that for now as, a, as just a kind of an, uh, a blessing to you guys to use as, as you see fit. But would you come up? Let's welcome Briggs and Jen as they come to share their story, shall we? Yeah, let's move this over here. Put Jen in the middle because she's the prettiest, so we'll go from there. I'll give you that. Briggs, let me see. I need to turn it on. There you go. So we're going to try this. I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm a very good interviewer. I don't know if I studied under Barbara Walters enough or not, but I'm going to give it my best shot here. But I've got a series of questions I want us to go through, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. And you guys just feel free to share, and if you want to take it in a different direction, feel free to do so. But uh, first, uh, a lot of people in this room don't know you. Uh, it's been a few years. I, I can't even, how many years has it been? Eight years since uh, they, they ventured out into Slavic Village. Tell us a little bit about, uh, uh, refresh us, tell us your story. You kind of introduced it here. A lot is going on, but how is it that you were called to Slavic Village? Take us through some of that. Okay. Um, you saw the video, but what it, it showed you was like the middle of the story. Right. Jen and I um, were both a mess earlier in life, we made um, really, really bad decisions. Um, there's just no getting around it. We were both a hot mess when we met each other 18 years ago. And Jen's daughter, Isabel, who is now going to make us grandparents for the first time. She's married and living in Pennsylvania. We're going to be grandparents in June. Praise the Lord. <laughs> And Izzy is the only one of our kids who remembers being here at North Olmsted Friends. But uh, little Isabel said, Mommy, we should go to church. So Jen started coming here. And then she and I were just friends. We were not entangled. We were just friends. And we, like her best friend and my best friend were sister and brother. So we just had a connection. And the long story short is that she said, why don't you come to church with me? And I was done with church. Uh, I was a phony, and I thought that there were too many phonies in church, and I was just done with that whole thing. Even though I was raised in the church, Jen was raised in the church, it had never been anything that had pierced my heart. I walked in here, and this is not a perfect place. Everybody knows that, but this is a special place because... The message of the gospel I had known since a little child became real to me here. And then Jen and I took three years of just being friends to unpack all of the garbage we had collected for 20 plus years as adults and then realized we really loved each other. We were married in this church and 
this is what happened up until when the video started, was that as we kept coming here, we realized they actually believe the Bible here in this church and uh, live the Bible. We're seeing it in people's lives. So I started reading, and I read in Hebrews 13, obey your leaders and submit to them. I'm like, whoa, I'm an American. I have rights. I do whatever I want, you know? I'll go to church. I'll throw some coins in the plate. Obey your leaders. Submit to them. I thought there was something really profound going on there because for the first time in my life, it wasn't like, I have to do what Pastor Jeff says. What I was hearing was, I really need to do what God wants with my life. And Pastor Jeff and Pastor Rich and others have been placed there to be the flesh and bones that I should follow. So I went to Pastor Jeff, and I don't know if anyone else has ever said this to you, Jeff, in all of your years. Uh -oh. <laughs> but I said, Pastor Jeff, Jen and I have something to share with you. You need to be very careful what you ask us to do because the answer will be yes. We will not say, I'll think about it, I'll pray on it, I'll see if scripture lines up with what you're saying, you know, and we laid down all of our rights and said, listen, God wants to work through us, so we need to start by following them. And Jeff put us to work. <laughs> We got involved, Jen ran the meal train program, bringing meals to anyone in, in the church and others. And I got involved, uh, both of us got involved in the Rooted program, working with the 20-somethings and then other leadership positions. And what you saw in the video was the culmination of us realizing that our life is not our own. I want to tack in there. And uh, we were a part of a small group back then. You guys call them growth groups now. And it was there that we made lifelong friendships and real connections. And the going deeper happened there. That's where they challenged us to put the scripture and the teaching of Pastor Jeff and Pastor Rich into practice. And in that small group, we started going out and doing radical things. And that, I think, is what started the fire of us, that we had to do something more. Um, we couldn't just stay comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so... Where'd we go from there? <laughs> you were an elder on the elder board. Um, well, that just showed me how little I knew about how churches run. Um, I thought I knew a lot. And uh, this is, this is a, a really personal note, but I sat in this room. And like a lot of spoiled Americans, I felt like I could run that church better. <laughs> Why don't they do what I think is a good idea? And... You know, I'm not proud of that. I'm really not. Because what God was doing in my life was showing me that, number one, you've never run a ministry. So why do you think you have good ideas for people who can run ministries? When I met, and when we met at Pastor Rich's house for our small group, growth group, um, I started to see that this is what Rich and Elizabeth live. And then we were invited to Jeff and Mary's home. We saw, this is how they live. And all of a sudden, it was really, really personal to us that it's not what we do at church only. It's what we do with our lives. So um, we really took the teaching here and the training here, all the classes, all the involvement very seriously. And we tried to put those things into practice in our everyday life. Back then, we were living in Rocky River. Um, it brings was a mailman there to our street and the surrounding streets, and we tried to put into practice the things that you were calling <laughs> us to at church, 
in our everyday life. Um, and then it was when Friends Church's church picnic changed everything for us. Yes, and, and that just made me say, okay, we spent a weekend down there uh, blessing the people in Slavic Village. Uh, 250 people out of this congregation showed up, easily half, and which is unheard of in church circles for have, have half a congregation do anything, especially something as you know, grueling. It was a very hot weekend. Um, we kept going. Our, our small group kept going back to Slavic Village, and we ran a Friday night fun night for people in the neighborhood so they could get together when there wasn't alcohol or drugs involved. And it was family, and it was fun, and it was games. And so we just kept going back and kept going back. And um, I came to Jen at some point and said, you know, we're driving back to Rocky River. I said, Jen, if you want to have an impact, you need to live in the neighborhood. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're not taking my babies down there. And um, I think that's when God really started to do the work on us, is yeah. um, how far are we willing to go to follow him? How much sacrifice are we willing to give? And now looking back, it seems like nothing. But then at the time, it was really tough. And the hardest part was for me to leave this church, to leave all the support and the encouragement and the teaching and think we knew what we were doing. <laughs> we still don't know what we're doing. <laughs> um, but it was the time. It was the time to reach out and take what we learned here and try to reach others. And um, we just started opening our home and believe it or not, people started coming. And then when they started coming, then it just began walking life with people, taking people to doctor's appointments, um, doing everyday life with them. And um, it just has, has grown from there by God's leading and grace. So wait a minute. You guys are living in Rocky River, nice home, living the American dream, want a retirement uh, package, want to uh, be safe have your kids in good school or whatever and then suddenly the Lord prompts you and this Slavic village thing just keeps coming up on the radar. It's your fault. It, well, <laughs> no. So how do you go from that Rocky River and being invested and, and wholeheartedly invested in your church and deciding oh, we're going to leave all of that to, to, to start something there. And I, I don't just mean, oh, we're going to start a ministry in Slavic Village. Literally, you said, well, we got to move into the neighborhood. And how, how, how much of a struggle was that? And what was that like? What happened? Well, after Jen said, no, we're, we're not going to do that, or I'm not comfortable with that, she was nice. Um, the Briggs of years ago would not have handled that well. Um, I went silent for almost a year. I didn't bring it up because I knew that if I pressured Jen to do something this different, that she would always be doing it begrudgingly. And so I just went quiet and uh, they put me on the elder board. We, uh, Pastor Jeff and his son and Pastor Rich and I went to visit missionaries in the jungles of Brazil the following May and so now we're talking 10, 11 months after I told her we should move to Slavic Village and I'm going to the jungles of Brazil to bless a missionary 
And when we come back, Jen looks at me and says, I'm ready to go wherever you want to go. The jungles of Brazil, some other country, I'll go. And she says, where do you think we should go? And I said, Slavic Village. <laughs> she said, I don't want to do that. But I will go because God will be in it. Uh, you just brought up uh, Brazil, and uh, you should know, Dan and Kim Kubitza were also called out of our church years ago to go to Brazil and do ministry there. I was just reading today, again, I've been following uh, uh, the reports, but Dan Kubitza has uh, stage four lung, or not lung, but uh, throat cancer. And so we've been praying for him and supporting them. They are in Arizona right now seeking treatment and trying to, to, to keep tabs on what is going on there. Can we just pray for them very quickly? Because they are part of our family here. Lord, I just want to lift up to you, both Dan and Kim and their sweet family, all the needs they have, Lord, financial, physical. I know that, Lord, this is just, uh, in so many ways, such a, a test. But, Lord, their eyes are on you. They're fixed on you. And I just pray, Lord that you would give them a breakthrough where, Lord, we would just see the amazing grace, the miraculous love and power of, of, of your person, Lord, operating in their lives right now. Lord, we pray healing upon our brother Dan. We pray, Lord, for wisdom as they navigate all the, the medical issues that, that they are encountering. May you provide for them, Lord, in every way. We love them. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you're working, and we, we just pray your, your anointing power upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So you, you, you make the decision to buy a place in Slavic. What was the house like? What was that like for mom? It was beautiful. <laughs> it was an abandoned house for over 10 years, and uh, the property was uh, needing a lot of love. But yet again... Um, Friends Church came and swooped in our small group and a lot of love and support came and helped us uh, transform the yard that had been overgrown and pretty dangerous. Um, and then uh, we were part of a program in Slavic Village right. to help us rehab the home. Um, and I think that was the first step of folks on our street just seeing the visual transformation of somebody choosing to come and live with them and to be a part of the transformation in the neighborhood. And um, that's only something God can do. I, well, go ahead. Our home is 120 years old, and uh, it had to be remade from top to bottom. But uh, one of your own people here, a house inspector, Ted, um, inspected it and said, you got good bones. So if you're going to put money into this house, you got a good investment there. So um, again, North Homestead Friends stepping up to, to really help us. And uh, we put a lot of money into the home and everything in it is, is new. Wiring, plumbing. Um. And that changes the neighborhood in a lot of ways, right? I mean, what happens to the homes? Since the then, we have had people put in driveways. Uh, our next door neighbor put in solar panels. Um, people have spruced up. And one guy across the street, came, and he's, he's our friend, he, we've been there now seven years, he said, uh, with a tear in his eye, I used to stare out my front window at your broken down house and just hope that somebody would one day come and put life in there. And he could see our Christmas tree through the front window, <laughs> and he, was, he had a tear in his eyes because 
there weren't a lot of good stories in the neighborhood until people like us started showing up. Amen. Now, let's step back just for a second, because I remember the two of you, along with some other couples and individuals in our church, kind of gathered together. I think Pastor Rich led a, uh, I forget exactly what he called it, uh, uh, discovering a ministry or something. Talk, talk about that. The journey to ministry. The journey to ministry, yeah. So we're down there. And again, I'm still feeling like, what are we doing here? So I called Pastor Rich, and I'm like, I need some kind of training or something. <laughs> if you were to go on the mission field to a faraway land, there would be training. There would be language courses. There would be cultural introduction or something. I was really um, fooled into thinking that 15 minutes down the highway wasn't much of a change. Because I didn't have to, like the Fanes, sacrifice leaving my parents or family or, you know, I had all the comforts of living in Ohio. And, um, but getting down there, the language was different. <laughs> <laughs> the culture was very different. And I really had no idea what I was walking into. So Pastor Rich put together a team and a bunch of us who part of that small group and people who were trying to start their own ministries or reaching out and trying to see what God had for them. Um, and Pastor Rich and others uh, taught us and um, helped us to get our minister license and, and good training to help us get our ministry off the ground. And, and before I forget, it was the boldness of our small group and Louie and Sharon Brosh just did incredibly different things with a small group. Yeah. And I know they don't like to be elevated uh, because of that, but we went to, what was that seminar we went to with the, the witches and the, the tarot card reading? And we went and just preached the gospel to these people as they came out of this, this convention they were having. And uh, this is what our small group ended up doing. Now, I know not everybody's comfortable with that, but, uh, but we were bold in prayer and believing that, that this is what God wants us to do. So going to Slavic Village just seemed to be like an extension of our small group. And I, I really want to credit a lot of people here at North Olmsted Friends from showing, for showing us their faith through their actions. Deanne Milner discipled Jen when we started coming here all those years ago. And we disciple people now in many ways, the women in our, in our ministry, because of the way Deanne just answered all of Jen's questions and, and, and things like that. So um, take us now from the video, which was four or five years ago now, yeah. to, to kind of present. What, how have things changed? Your family's different. It's grown uh, uh, somewhat. And, and then kind of just tell us what's happened since then. Well, we never intended to start a ministry. We went down there to support the church that the initial weekend of North Olmsted Fred's coming to bless this really interesting church in the neighborhood that took over an old storefront and was doing great work reaching the most struggling people in the neighborhood. Well, the problem was the ministry that Jen and I went down there to try to support had people who had never run ministry, and they were young, and there was a lot of money coming in from all over the country to support this church, and there were problems. Let's just say there were really big foundational problems. Jen and I and another couple went in there never thinking we would ever run anything. We were just there to support them and to bring some financial and ethical sanity to that ministry. Eight months later, it shut down, and it was God's doing. So we're, we're in Slavic Village. We live there now. 
we've said goodbye to everybody, and we don't have a church. So we went around the neighborhood to other churches, and we realized really quickly a lot of dear people were coming from the suburbs into the church that their parents and grandparents had started, and they were loyal to it, but they were not working with people in the neighborhood. So then we started a Friday night Bible study for two years, which got me my introduction into ministry. And, and Pastor Jeff was so kind. He, he looked at me one time when I met with him, and he said, Briggs, you're capable of giving a 10 or 15 minute talk. And because of those words, I went and started giving 10 or 15 minute talks and, and opening up God's word. But I'll be very honest, like most guys who really love God's word, I was kind of like the kid in the candy shop. I, I, got, I got to just do all these cool ministry things on Friday night. 40 people showed up in our living room consistently for Friday night Bible fellowship. And I got to try all these, you know, let, let's, let's try this and let's try that. And then we realized we weren't really reaching the neighborhood we, we moved in there to reach. So we announced on one Friday night, we're ending this. You all have your own churches that you go to on Sunday. Please go back there and make those the best churches they can be. I was so sad. There goes my comfort again. <laughs> but, but the reality was we weren't reaching the neighborhood. So we went from 40 people every Friday night. And by the way, we went Friday night because we wanted the darkest night in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. When the drinking and the drugs and everything take over at 10 o'clock, we met at 7, and we were out of there by 9, and it was a great time together. And people loved it. And people formed lasting friendships there. But we weren't reaching the neighborhood. So overnight, within weeks, we met on Sunday morning with seven people. My family and one guy. Mm. If you care about numbers, that's devastating. <laughs> but we only cared about doing what God wanted. And so we started the house church. We started reaching people, meeting their needs, radically loving them in ways that they've never been loved before, getting creative. We've read books about house churching. We've called people who have done this in the past. And we really learned that it's the most personal kind of ministry there can be because there are no titles. I do not introduce myself as a pastor. That means nothing in our neighborhood. They think of pastors and priests as people who are above them or smarter than them or closer to God or what? Are you closer to God? Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the end result was that we, we just ended up doing life with people and soon enough, within a year or two, we had 40 people coming to our house church. So we were doing Sunday mornings. We were doing a um, Wednesday night Bible study. We were doing Thursdays. We broke off into men and women. I, would, I can't believe this. I was leading the women, and Briggs was leading the men, and then we were doing some kind of outreach on the weekends in the neighborhood, whether that was cleaning up litter or whatever the neighborhood mm -hmm. was working on at the time. And that was really nice for a while, and um, we did that a couple, was it a year or so, and then um, I don't know what changed. It just became too much. Yeah. We were doing a lot of things, but we really weren't slowing down to do what God wanted. There's so much need there. You could just serve endlessly. Mm -hmm. But is that really what God wants you to do? Burn yourself out. Like Pastor Rich is our senior elder for our ministry. Um, he wears a lot of hats. 
and Jeff, you have been so kind to let Pastor Rich help us down there, along with everything else he does here. But Pastor Rich turned to me three years ago, and he said, how do you do all this? Because we're the same age. I'm 62, with three little kids, at the time we had four, a physical job, and running all of these. He said, how do you do that? And the truth was, it didn't last long, because it, God wasn't in it. We, we were way out of head of what God really wanted us to be doing. I also think that uh, the reality is, um, if I can be honest, I was falling short um, raising kids at home. I do homeschool our kids, and I am proud to say we are a family on mission, meaning all of the kids play some role in our service to our neighbors and um, how we love people. But it was really easy for me to love others outside my home. And some of the kids have gotten lost in the shuffle because there's only so much of us that can go around. And um, we're very sorry for that, and we're, <laughs> we're making up ground for that now. But slowing down on the ministry has helped us to reinvest in our kids and reinvest in our marriage. And um, God is in that because, obviously, things are changing for the good. But I guess that goes to show you is that Ministry can be hard, but where is our heart and our focus? Our heart is to be filled with him, yeah. and our focus That's is right. to be on him, and he'll cover the rest. Okay. It's not within Briggs and I's doing. It's not with some great um, teaching or whatever. It's our willingness to say yes. And I, we said yes, and I have said yes to giving up my comfort how much comfort, right? And so in order to go all in, it has to be all of it, all of the time. And it looks different in different seasons of life. There you go. Yeah. So ministry has taken a big journey from start to finish. And now I call this our, our new launch to where we're headed next because things look really different, except we're still in Slavic Village and we're still saying yes. And we're so excited to see what God's going to do next. And um, to finish out that point I, I was trying to get to, she's using her notes. I don't need notes, you know. Notes, right. notes just sit in your pocket. Um, as soon as pastors Jeff and Rich came down and installed me as the leader down there, the head shepherd, all of a sudden my ideas of running the Friday night fellowship where I got to try all these things, the reality sunk in that I am now responsible to guard over the souls of the people that God brings to us. There's nothing more sobering than the realization that people's eternal souls are not my responsibility, but I am tasked to guard over them. I don't get to try new, exciting things. I have to do what God wants. And I have to be really, really into guarding over their souls. And every leader I have ever known since then in, in uh, the Friends movement, they all feel the same way. It is a humbling thing to just say, my first job is to guard over the sheep in the flock. Tell us, Briggs or Jen or both, uh, just and briefly, but tell us about some of those individuals you've, you've had the blessing of working with, maybe some 
some progress uh, or maybe, you know, maybe some heartbreak there too. Is there someone or two, a family or a couple or an individual that comes to mind? That wasn't on the question list, so they... they <laughs> well, no, um, one of the ladies came to us. She was angry, bitter, mean. I gave her a ride somewhere, and she started coming to church. And um, in time, she realized that this message that we were talking about was for her. And then um, that picture right there, She's in that picture. David and Courtney came and visited us three years ago. This is our church family back then. And Courtney was talking about the sex trafficking. They'll go into this next week when they're here. She came up to Courtney and she said, that was me. I've lived my whole life. She's in her 50s. I lived my whole life. When I was 14, I was sold into sex slavery and didn't realize it. I just thought that was what I do. And she had eight kids and no great relationships with any of them because she wasn't a mom. She was a sex slave. Well, that lady came to us and said, why don't we write down all of our struggles and all of our failures and all of the horrible things that have been done to us or that we've done to others, write them on paper and get a bonfire and just throw them into the fire and let God just take them up in ashes. We were like, yes. we'll do it. <laughs> and and we, it was an exercise. Now, maybe some people got something out of it, others maybe not, but that's the nature of it. We've done that twice because a lady who was sold into sex slavery said, this is how I want to offload all of the decades Amen. of junk in my life. Amen. And so some of the best ideas have come from some of the most unlikely places in our ministry. And from that, um, another lady in the, the picture there, um, she didn't realize that she was caught up with um, drug lords, and those are the relationships she had that she never had a job before. So we worked with her in getting her some job skills, driving her to and from work, um, so she got to have the first real job of her life, making honest money, um, getting her own place, and getting her life back together. Hmm. I'll, I'll say her name, Roz. Roz is our absolute gem in the ministry. Um, I want to be respectful. Roz comes from... It's hard to describe the chaos and the confusion and the abuse that she comes out of. But she's 71 years old. Her boys are grown. They live with her. There's still terrible trouble in the home. But Roz has plugged into God's Word. We got her an MP3 player with the Bible on it. She has her version of the Bible. She reads, reads along while she listens. And when we talk about God's Word, Roz has the answers all the time. She probably has a third or fourth grade uh, ability. Mm -hmm. And that's very common in our neighborhood. Yeah. Roz is amazing. She's proof that God's word is for everyone, not just for smart people, not just for suburban people, not just for pastors. God's word is for everyone. 
and Roz is the absolute gem in our ministry to show that if you just plug into his word and try to understand it at your own level, and we have to break it down into the simplest level, we will do what it takes because that's what God wants. Um, and then Anthony's the last one. Anthony is very much in the world, still is, but he's come to me lately and he said, you've been my mailman all these years. You've been trying to get me to come and just see what's going on at church. Now he comes with his family. He says, this stuff has real meaning and you're, you're saying it in a language I can understand. When I went to church in the past, it all went over my head. I think we have an obligation to present God's word whenever we have an audience that doesn't understand in a way they can understand. Mm. And, and that's just what we try to do. I appreciate your heart so much. Real quick, and then we're going to wrap this up. What's a practical way that we here at North Homestead Friends can be assisting, helping, encouraging the two of you right now and your family? I'm glad you gave us these questions because we would love for you to pray. We don't need money, and we thought for a long time we needed people to come down and help us. But honestly, pray that God would, would continue to put that spark in us to surrender it all for him. Mm. That's Jen and me. And the second prayer, if you would, that our people, the ones we have now, even the simple that they would finally lay it all down for Jesus. Because I don't think we need more people to come down there to help us do this ministry. I think we need to see God transform the people we already have. They're the best people to transform their own neighborhood, not us. I look forward to the time when Jen and I can just advise the neighborhood leaders that God raises up. And so we, we ask for your prayer and nothing more than that. I appreciate that, and we're going to do that. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to invite any any number of us to come forward and lay hands on Briggs and Jen and their sweet family, and just an act of solidarity and union. Maybe, maybe we'll put you guys down on the floor here. Yeah, you can just lay, just lay it on the floor, sweetie. Oh, thanks. We are so blessed to have these guys as a part of our family. They're going to continue to be a part, but so many of us I know weren't aware of them because it's been a few years, and it was good to, to get an update. Would you join me in prayer, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed. Father, your word is active, living. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. And Lord, uh, I thank you that your word was active in Briggs and Jen's heart and you brought it to uh, full fruition. And Lord, as we've kind of learned today, there's a difference between doing a lot of things and getting something really done. But Lord, I know that you have put it in their hearts to change a community. And Lord, it takes persistence, tenacity, patience. It takes grit and courage. But most of all, Father, it takes you. Lord, you, you loved us so much that you knew, lived in the neighborhood. You moved in. You became one of us. 
and Lord, you showed us what life was like. I pray, Lord, that that same incarnational spirit will continue to fall on Briggs and Jen, and you would anoint them afresh for the work that you've called them to. Lord, we pray that we might be eager to pray for them and lift them up and help them and assist in any way that we can, that, God, you would continue to work in our church in such a way that we will look across the street and we will see, Lord, what we're called to, that every one of us would, would ask the question, Lord, what are you calling me to? Here am I. Send me. And, Father, you don't call us all Slavic Village or Brazil, but you call every one of us to mission. And, Lord, may we be able to identify that mission and respond to, to uh, that calling just as affirmatively as this dear couple. We pray, Lord, you would bless their marriage. We pray, Lord, you would bless their children. Make up, Lord, would you make up for the differences and the issues that they face? Would you just extend beyond their, their comprehension, Lord, your grace, so that, Lord, uh, those dear little ones would grow up knowing that you're good and that lord they would follow hard after you just in the uh, as their parents have done lord I, I pray for the community at slavic village we do ask that holy spirit you will come in a mighty wave that their lord be lord a, a spirit of 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 victory over addiction a spirit of victory over the darkness of sex trafficking and poverty and racism and all the all the ills and 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 sins of 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 lord generations would be would be just laid at the cross and yes burn up at its ashes because lord you can make all things clean you can make all things new again i pray that your will will be done as it is on, uh, in heaven, that, Lord, it would be done here in Slavic village, that, Lord, that we would see the evidence of your kingdom, and, Lord, use that, that little house, uh, that little house in Slavic village to be that, that place of light and mercy and grace. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. We thank you, Lord, that we get to be a part of it. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to minister and show us your way, give us your peace. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen.